Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Literary Devices. I'm your host, Jessica Miguel Cooper, and in our inaugural episode, we are going to talk about A Man Called Ove by Frederick Backman. So we're going to start each episode with a quote, a summary, and then we'll go into a discussion. And then we will briefly talk about which book we are going to read next. So let's get into it. Uh, Our quote for this book is, Because a time comes in every man's life when he decides what sort of man he's going to be. The kind who lets other people walk all over him or not. I feel like this quote really exemplifies everything that is important about Ove as a character. So for the summary... Ove has just lost his wife, Sonia, the only person he has any meaningful relationship with anymore. For a while, he still had his job and some sense of purpose, but now that has been taken from him too. He is determined to kill himself so he can join Sonia, but a new family in the neighborhood has other ideas for him, and it is through his deepening connection with them that Ove is brought back to life. So going from that summary... Uh, I think it is important to point out that there will be some discussions about the topic of suicide in this episode. Nothing graphic, but uh, it is good to know. And I will give a warning before we delve into it. I want to make sure that everyone is able to take good care of themselves. And as well, I think I should point out that all of our discussions are going to be fully spoiled. I think it's pretty difficult to have a deep and meaningful discussion about a book while trying not to spoil anything. So those are oh. So let's see. I read A Man Called Ove after reading Beartown, which is also by Frederick Beckman, and I absolutely loved Beartown. It is one of the best books that I have probably ever read. And I was so incredibly impressed with the level of sensitivity and complexity that Bachman brought to such a really difficult topic because Beartown deals with rape. Um, And I didn't, I didn't actually know anything about A Man Called Ove and what it might be about before I started reading it. All I knew was that it was by the same author and that a whole bunch of people raved about it and said that it was amazing. Um, So I had really high expectations of it based on that and my previous um, Backman reading experience. Um, Unfortunately, I don't feel like the book lived up to those expectations for like a number of reasons. Um, The whole book is from Ove's perspective. And frankly, I just like could not connect with him as a character And I just couldn't sympathize with his rigidity. And he has some like really problematic ways of viewing people. Um, For instance, his neighbor Jimmy is overweight. And I mean, okay, fine. So he's overweight. Great. But does this like have to be a defining thing about this character? Do we have to hear about it every single time the man enters the room? I don't think so. And that was just one thing that I really hated and uh, would just get my back up every single time uh, it came up. But also he's just, Ove doesn't seem able to see complexity in other people. Like the way that he refers to people, um, for instance, 
when Parvene and Patrick and their daughters move into the neighborhood for a long time, Parvene is just the pregnant one, the pregnant foreign one, or possibly the pregnant foreign woman, either way. And then Patrick is just the lanky one. Like, I just have a really hard time seeing how it's beneficial to just like reduce people down to these very superficial um singular qualities especially something like pregnancy which is obviously um not a permanent state um yeah so he just like is super super principled like to the point of absurdity and he just takes it too far all the time and like I had a really hard time so it the book goes back and forth between young Ove and old Ove and lots of terrible things happen to Ove when he is young and I can certainly sympathize with that and I had no problem sympathizing and empathizing with the younger Ove but I just had a really hard time doing it with the older Ove And I had a really hard time connecting the two. I couldn't really see them as the same person. I just couldn't see how we got from young Ove, who is certainly principled and certainly has ideas about what is right and what is wrong that are very firm. But he's not, he's not cruel ever. And he's not overly simplistic. He seems more capable of like nuanced understanding of the world And I don't know if it's supposed to just be like, well, people get more stuck in their ways as they get older or what, but I just couldn't handle older Ove and I could not see how we got from young Ove to old Ove. And so it was very difficult for me. Um, I just, I don't know. I don't know why Parvene would even want to be his friend. Like I don't, I don't know what, she would have seen in him that would have made her say yep I want to be this guy's friend because from what I could see even internally which should have made me more sympathetic to him I would not want to be his friend and I would not want anything to do with him and I don't know what Sonia continued to see in him throughout their lives together I could see why she was initially attracted to him and interested in him and fell in love with him but like what over his transformation from young Ove into old curmudgeonly Ove. What kept her around? I just don't know. Um, But that being said, the one thing that I did really feel was Ove's grief. Spoiler alert here. Um, Sonia, his wife, died six months previous to where we start with Ove. um, And he has just lost his job. So he's in this place of just limbo and he's miserable and he has decided that the only way forward is for him to kill himself so that he can be with Sonia. And I really did feel his grief and the way that he continued to talk to her and he continued to take part in their daily rituals like in the first 
chapter or so, it isn't entirely clear that Sonia is not alive um, because, you know, he, it talks about how he would get up in the morning and have a cup of coffee with his wife before going out to do his morning check um, of the neighborhood. <laughs> because, of course, Ove is the only one who could possibly make sure that the entire neighborhood is running properly. Um, yeah, and I could really sympathize with that, and I could understand why he came to the conclusions that he did. But here's where it kind of lost me, because like I mentioned previously, Beartown deals so beautifully with such an incredibly delicate and difficult topic. And I really expected the same for this book, especially because suicide is something that affects a whole lot of people, just like rape does. And so I really expected the same sensitivity towards this topic. And I just feel like it didn't quite live up to that. I don't feel like his grief and his depressive thoughts and his suicidal ideation was really treated as seriously as it should have been. Like, it's never played for laughs per se, but it is kind of set up to be absurd. So this is where we're going to talk a little bit more specifically about uh, a suicide attempt. So if that is triggering for you or not something that you want to hear at the moment, please feel free to skip ahead a few minutes. I will not be offended. I will never even know. And I highly encourage everyone to take care of their own mental health before pretty much anything else. So at one point, Ove has decided that he is going to um, sit in his car and use the exhaust to kill himself. I believe this is his second attempt. His first attempt was thwarted by the uh, hook that he put in the ceiling to hang himself from falling out of the ceiling. Um, and the second attempt is interrupted by Parvenet, who is banging on the door of the garage, demanding to be let in because her husband, Patrick, who Ove sees as this completely inept oaf, has fallen off a ladder and needs to be taken to the hospital. And so Ove stumbles out of the garage reeking of exhaust and demanding to know what Parvenet needs. And she basically railroads him into taking them to the hospital, which is fine. But it's just, it's just, I'm not sure how to explain it, but it just rubbed me the wrong way. I did not feel like it was handled with the delicacy that was required of such a topic. And Ove attempts suicide multiple times. And the whole point of the book, in my opinion, is that as he connects more with the people around him, 
he becomes less and less committed to his idea that suicide is the only way forward and the only way for him to be happy, which is great. Um, I think that is both a good message and a true message that, um, personally I do suffer from depression and anxiety and in a depressive episode, it's a very internalizing disease where it really makes you turn inwards and it's very difficult to see anything on the outside of it, anyone on the outside of it. That's why it doesn't help when people are just like, yes, but look around you at everything that you have. Um, because depression is like, that doesn't matter. Look inside of you at all of this self-loathing and et cetera. And so connecting to other people and being pulled out into the world by those other people is definitely part of the healing process from a depressive episode. And so I think that's great. Um, but I just, I just didn't fully believe in some of these relationships. Like for instance, he has, Ove has a long running feud with a man named Rune, who used to be his friend because they are men cut from the same cloth. They are both curmudgeons, let's say. But in the last few years, Rune has developed dementia and is no longer the person that he was. And even before that, Rune and Ove had a falling out, um, basically because they're both too principled, um, but surfacely because Rune bought a BMW instead of a Volvo, which is a whole other metaphor that we'll get into later. However, Ove has not been close with Rune for a long time, and Rune's wife, Anita, has been taking care of Rune by herself. And Ove is just downright rude and even borderline cruel to her at some points. She comes over to ask him for assistance with her radiators, and he can barely even speak to her, let alone say anything kind. And yet, this is what I don't understand. Like, why would she even go to him in the first place if this is the way that he has been treating her for years? Like, why would she stand there and think, oh, I know who I should have help me. Oh, what a great idea. He'll be happy to help because obviously, no, he won't. But I, so I, I just didn't understand that. And that is why I think the main problem with this book for me was that everything was from Ove's perspective. If we had had a little bit more from other people and other characters, if we'd been able to get into their heads and see how they saw Ove, then maybe I would have better understood their relationships and where they were coming from and been better able to believe in them. Because from where I'm sitting, it makes no sense to me that Parvenet and Anita and these other people, Jimmy, would continue to want to have Ove in their lives. So if I had been able to get into their heads a little bit more, 
to see where they're coming from and their thought processes and how they saw Ove, then perhaps that would have been a little bit more real for me. And I think that's part of what makes Beartown work really well, is that there are the perspectives of all of the characters, and it's very layered. And I think that this book would really have benefited from the same treatment. Um, that being said, I do like a few of the overarching metaphors that run through the book. Uh, number one being the cars, which at first seemed kind of silly to me, but as it goes through, it becomes more and more clear that the cars are a metaphor. They're not, it's not just about cars. So basically, Ove has always driven a Saab. I think it's a Saab, S-A-A-B. I'm not sure of the pronunciation. Anyways, um, he's always driven a Saab. Like his father drove one. He inherited that one from his father and has driven one ever since. And Rune, his friend, frenemy, whatever, always drove a Volvo. So there's a whole part in the book where it talks about how Ove got a new Saab and then Rune got a new Volvo. And then later on, Ove got another new Saab and Rune got a Volvo. And it goes on like this until one day Ove gets a new Saab and Rune buys a BMW. And this seems to be the point where the relationship broke beyond repair. And it took me a while of thinking about it, but I've come to the conclusion that it's because Ove believes so firmly in principles and in absolute loyalty and really just in absolutes. And so to him, if you are a Saab person, then you drive a Saab and that is all that you drive. And if you are a Volvo person, then you drive a Volvo and that is it. That is the only thing that you drive. And so Rune buying a BMW instead of a Volvo wasn't just a betrayal of his relationship with Volvo, but a signifier to Ove that Rune doesn't have the loyalty that Ove thought he did, and that Rune isn't as much like Ove as he thought he was. And so he feels betrayed because his friend isn't the person that he thought. So I kind of like that metaphor. And I also really liked the through line of the people in white shirts taking things away from Ove and how that was the ultimate push for him to rejoin the world. Because like his realization that Anita and Rune need him or they are going to be screwed over by white shirts just like he was is the thing. It's the tipping point. And the scene where they all come out and say they will help take care of Rune was like, it was really touching. And it reminded me a lot of an episode of my absolute favorite TV show, which is Buffy the Vampire Slayer, um, when all of the characters band together to claim a new character as part of their family, all saying like, to get to her, you'll have to go through me and me and me and me. And it was very similar to that where each character comes out and says, I will help take care of Rune. I will help take care of Rune. And I will help take care of Rune. And it was just a really beautiful representation of how family is more than just blood. It is the people that you surround yourself with. And it is the people who 
come through for you in the really, really difficult times. Um, and so the book does end on a high note for me. Um, and I would ultimately give it probably three and a half stars. Um, it so easily could have been a four and a half star book if there had just been those other perspectives. Um, but yeah, those are my thoughts. Um, if you are one of those people who love this book, I would absolutely love to hear from you. You can send me an email at literarydevicespodcast at gmail.com and I will share some listener thoughts in one of our upcoming episodes. Uh, so stay tuned for that. And uh, our next book will be All the Bright Places by Jennifer Niven. So pick up your copies or if you've already read it, just wait for the next episode. So thank you so much for joining me. This has been super fun and I can't wait to hear from you guys. Until the next episode, keep your nose in a book.